0: This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am with Jim Sebastio in studio. Jim, good to see you, thanks for being here. Thanks, Brian, always great to see you. So we appreciate you all coming and and listening. We wanna do a couple of quick things before we start. The first is, if, if you're helped by this podcast, will you go to iTunes and write a review for us? Uh, that's helpful for us to just grow and continue to try to learn how to best serve you. Also, if you like the podcast or other things in the ministry of Practical Shepherding that are helpful to you, will you go to our website, practicalshepherding.com, go to the Donate button, and you can help us financially as we're trying to expand and many other exciting things we're able to do. So thanks for any help that you're willing to give us with that. Our topic today is is an important one uh, in regard to preaching in the life of a pastor. We wanna talk about the preaching schedule, but not just how to schedule our sermons. How does our preaching schedule fit around holidays, current events in the news, uh, in church life that just happens, and how far along do we prepare that schedule? So that's what we wanna talk about today. Jim, will you give us a little bit of uh, just biblical framework for us to think about this conversation?
1: Uh, sure, Brian. I mean, obviously, as pastors, we are called to be preachers of the word. It's, it's the, a huge part of what our calling is, uh, the, the public declaration of the word week in, week out. And most of us, I imagine, are committed uh, to consecutive expository preaching that is opening a book of the Bible, beginning at the beginning of that book, and working your way straight through uh, the Apostle Paul, in some of his final words, said to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his, uh, at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. So those are our, our marching orders. But we're not always told, you know, what part of the Word to preach, in what order are we to preach the Word.
0: It tells in season, out of season, but that doesn't tell us a whole lot other than just yeah, being what, ready to preach all the time.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, for us as preachers, generally, we plan out at least to some degree, loosely perhaps, in some cases very strictly, what we're going to preach. Uh, I was mentioning, Brian, in, in preparation, I know men who— they'll come to a book that they're going to preach. They know exactly how they're going to break it down far ahead before they preach their first sermon. And let's say, you know, 45 messages through the book of John. They know what day they're going to preach, which text, and it's all out there and prepared. Mm -hmm. Others of us, we say, all right, I'm preaching through Titus or I'm preaching through Deuteronomy. Uh, I'm going to preach the next section or the next paragraph. We'll see how far we get according to the preparation that particular week. So maybe it's, it's both a little more uh, seat of the pants, but also structured. Some folks don't know what they're going to preach. Charles Spurgeon never planned ahead what he was going to preach. He waited on the Lord to give him what he would call a, a choice text. So I think most of the men listening to this are going to be men that plan their preaching. And our question today is, when does that plan and how does that plan either get Interrupted, or how does it get modified based upon certain things? So that's what we want to talk about today.
0: Yeah, and I think we, it's important to point out that m- many pastors, like especially guys who want to show they're committed to expository preaching through books of the Bible, that that we that some pastors get pretty obnoxious about that in a way that they will not deviate from anything whatsoever, as a way of just their way of demonstrating they're committed to it, but I don't we don't necessarily right. think that's what you have right. to do to like show commitment like a committed. plague
1: could happen in the city 80% of the people are wiped out and to show how faithful you are you don't mention you're it. preaching the next I'm text are going to preach Christ and you don't mention the I plague don't even at all you do not mention the plague yeah and even if it's on everybody's mind and half your congregation's wiped out so that's that may be an excessive uh, way of of sticking to your guns but we're asking today is, are there times and ways in which a regular course of preaching is going to be modified? And so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here, Brian.
0: Before you go there, Jim, hold on a second. I, want, I do want to point out that what we're going to talk about is as a template. Yeah. We're not advocating for—what what we were mocking a moment ago is the extreme of one side to that. Right. But what we want to encourage you to see is that that we want to think pastorally about exactly, our schedule. Yeah. At the same time, we do want to stay consistent with what the steady diet of the, what we want the congregation to have. Finding that balance somewhere. So
1: yeah. So uh, for instance, let's talk about holidays.
0: Yeah. And, and the very uh,
1: controversial issues. So there are some controversial issues surrounding holidays, particularly if you're in the Reformed or semi-Reformed camp. Uh, I come from a background that might boast some Puritan heritage and and in the Puritan heritage, you would not acknowledge, certainly would not acknowledge Christmas. They wouldn't you acknowledge not... Mother's
0: Day last week.
1: exactly. all right and 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 neither did I. Uh, so there there I might have gotten in danger with some
0: people., uh, so I acknowledge it, Mother's Day. Okay. so we can have that. that could be a separate podcast. So. okay.
1: Uh, yeah, well, well, let's talk about that because I think that's part of it is giving different that's perspective. True. We're not just saying, So we're not a one-size-fits-all. Brian and I don't do everything exactly the same way, and so I hope that's the profit of somebody saying, uh, I don't agree with either of them, or it's helpful to know that brethren can disagree and still mostly like each other. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. All right, so um, in regard to the, there's what's called the church calendar, and then there's also what I might call the holiday or hallmark calendar, which contains things like Mother's Day, Father's Day, Grandparents' Day, or whatever it is. Is
0: Christmas and Thanksgiving in that schedule?
1: Christmas, Thanksgiving. Okay. So, so, yeah, some of those are like... So Christmas is part of the... would be considered church calendar. Okay. Palm Sunday, you know, uh, Ascension for some people, the Lenten season as some people view it, and mm. even some in the Reform camp are leaning that way. Yep. So... When does the holiday calendar slash church calendar for you impact your preaching?
0: So, what I typically do is for uh, Christmas we do an incarnation series in December. So, the month of December we're off. We're on an incarnation topic. I take I typically have been taking July off, so we will have a variety of different sermons in July. Other than that, the rest of the year is pretty consistently through a book of the Bible that I am preaching. How with uh, with interruptions with Eastern Palm Sunday usually are off or on those topics, not necessarily what I am preaching through in the book. And then obviously we have the December, and then as church calendar things come up, if something significant happens, I try to have some flexibility in there because obviously there is things that happen, you know, like we're going to have an ordination service. Uh, We're going to have an ordination and a commissioning service of missionaries uh, coming up in a couple of months, and we're going to do that on a Sunday morning, and I'm going to preach a text around that. Sure,
1: and that might be what we would call providential church happening, which I want to talk about as well. Right. All right, so let me ask you, brother, uh, why so much emphasis on the the incarnation? Why three or four Sundays in a row so that if you think about that over what would that be, a, a... if you're at a pastor for twelve years, you would have actually then done a whole year of incarnational messages. Yeah. Um, so why that amount? And then maybe I'll that's talk a, about what I do. That's but, a great
0: question. Yeah. The part of it is part of it is around the events and the, the calendar and the things that around that Honestly, the other part of it's kind of pragmatic. And okay. in what way? So, the obviously it's Christmas, so the incarnation you potentially have people coming to church that w- will come for that reason that wouldn't normally come. And so, but a lot of this around this is pragmatic in a sense that there's a lot of people who travel through the month of December. Okay. Uh, we try to have pockets of time throughout the year where my other elders preach. And when we do an incarnation service a, a month, all four of us, well, three of us now, we each preach um, one of those sermons. It also is a time for me to have a break during the holidays also okay. from preaching. So there's there's some just practical reasons for that break.
1: So for you, you feel to some degree, maybe we'll call it a, a, a cultural pressure, and an, but a more than like an evangelistic pressure, to deal with that subject around that time of the year.
0: I would say the evangelistic's less so. It's really more of just real, watching the church scatter for six weeks. Okay. And in a, in a sense, almost the one-off sermons on a, a relevant topic like that, and then to jump back into the book in January, we find just more helpful because people because are there Because there more.
1: can be some cultural expectation of somebody. If I'm coming to your church on what I know is Easter Sunday Correct. or what I know is Christmas, right? and you're talking about tithing, or whatever else, that it's so jarring that you might lose those people. Uh, even if you're, you know committed to consecutive expository preaching, you realize, you know, I probably ought to capture what is, Really in our society both a church calendar and a cultural moment yep. uh, that is geared around that that people may come to church or there is an expectation that we're especially going to hear about that.
0: Yeah, and I think Mother's Day that just happened is a good example. So I don't preach on a certain topic for Mother's Day. But we've we've but we're in a Southern Baptist church. It's kind of expected, at least in the in the culture within our denomination, that Mother's Day is used as an opportunity to honor mothers, not create so the whole service oldest, around it. Oldest
1: mother, youngest mom, mother, newest mother. It's not that try. We do that no. kind of thing. We and... actually
0: stand up and recognize this is a day that's joyful for some and really sad and hard for others. And we use okay. it as an opportunity to acknowledge that, and just to thank the people who play that role. But I don't preach a sermon on that. But it has an effect. So
1: you haven't felt any pressure due to a Father's Day, Mother's Day?
0: No, and again, I don't feel pressure as much now. In the early years, these holidays that would come up—so if you're in a church now and you're in the early years of maybe a a revitalization situation in a Southern Baptist church— you got to be really wise in how you pick your battles with this, because I this is where I got the most grief in the early years around the church, because you so, didn't,
1: you were not culturally sensitive. Well,
0: like for I, I, wouldn't do, I wouldn't do a whole service around God and country on the Fourth of July. Yeah. and Amen. that's a big issue. So, so Jim, let me turn to you because you don't have these cultural issues in the SBC like I do. Right. What what do how do you plan your cal- your preaching calendar around current events, around holidays, around the church calendar?
1: Okay, so you want me to try to deal with a lot of those different things? All the well, time. just talk about, General, how you plan right, so your the schedule calendar, first. Let me just tell you how I handle the calendar. Okay. Uh, I always preach a message before Thanksgiving, the week before Thanksgiving. I'm of the conviction that Thanksgiving is the most biblical holiday, that we have the most biblical grounds to, to, to give thanks to God for his kindness and goodness spiritually and materially, uh, that we ought to we ought to render thanks to God. Uh, so I always preach a message that focuses around thankfulness. I almost always preach a sermon the Sunday prior to Christmas. And yes, if, if you're listening and you're and you have a Puritan stomach and you can't stand that word, uh, <laughs> the incarnation. So an incarnational message. That's the word uh, I use, Jim. I use yes. incarnation. Right, that makes man. me feel much better. So I will, but I only do it the Sunday prior, or occasionally it. it you know, Christmas is on the twenty fifth. Right. We will generally sing for that month. The, 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 my cultural accommodation, if you will, is that we will generally start to sing some hymns about the incarnation uh, in December. Sprinkle them in, and then many of them on that day. Although occasionally we'll sing them, you know, we'll sing them all year round. I mean, we might we sing to a ha- Herald in July. To or, make a point, you do, do it August, all year. Let's right, right. say that it's not just one. That's right. All right, so Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then Resurrection Sunday. Now, of course, I as one who believes that the Lord's Day is a 52 week or you know 52 times a year, you have the memorial of the resurrection. That's why we worship on Sunday. It is a memorial of the resurrection. True but i do recognize that on that day one day a year people's minds are especially focused so i liken that to uh, an anniversary celebration of a marriage you know you know you're married every day you ought to celebrate that marriage every day but once a year it's okay to go out to eat and 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 a particular way i'm thankful for this so i live in light of the resurrection all the time we worship in light of the resurrection but and then we do it once a year. It's kind of like an anniversary. Okay. I will also often do a uh, beginning of the year challenge, kind of, all right, we're at the beginning of the year. What's a text that might kind of focus our goals and our hearts for the coming year? So this past year, I think it was, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. Uh, something like that, that will be a challenge, or if we've had a particularly difficult year, we might deal with that.
0: So it's safe to say then that that both of us, even though we're approaching it a little differently, for probably about 10 months of the year, we're preaching through a book of the Bible, or we're we're not accommodating a holiday... Around our schedule, we're just preaching right. what we feel the church needs to be able to hear.
1: So, for a couple of times a year, two, three, four times a year, maybe there'll be an alteration. Brian, let me ask. So, you I what? alter
0: a little bit more than you do. It sounds a little like bit yeah. okay, but a lot of times mine is around also wanting time that I am actually scheduled out of the pulpit, right? And so we we found that it's helpful to let me preach through a whole book, so there is not holes in okay. the sermons, and again, that's just kind of logistically. But but there is a good two months scheduled where I'm in the rotation, but I'm not preaching every week. Okay. And that's that's the main reason we're, we're deviating from a okay. book study.
1: All right, let me touch on another issue, Brian, and okay. that is when does the news, the events of the news, right. impinge or affect your preaching, perhaps even changes what you were going to preach on? Hmm. Uh, so, for instance, if you'd been alive in November of 1963 when President Kennedy was assassinated, that following sunday do you think there might have been a message from god's word that if something like that happened the the uh i know a pastor a friend of mine who preached a well-known message in our circles when the space challenger space shuttle challenger blew up Mm -hmm. and he did a message uh on biblical lessons coming from that uh, are there times when what's in the news? Nine Eleven. did you deal with yeah. uh, that following Sunday? Did you deal with the events? Uh, I don't know if you were preaching then. Were you preaching in 2001? Not, not yet, no. Okay, so I did. I. I, I we, we took time to, to focus on that. What are some things that we as a na- the whole nation was stunned, and God's people were stunned, and you come into God's house, and, and again, is that the Sunday? Well, I was planning on preaching on... You know, an, uh, a message about tithing or a message about uh, stewardship of resources, and say, and totally ignore it. You know, or preach. I'm going to preach on the glory of Christ, and totally ignore yeah. that everybody here is reeling about something. So, do do you deal with that at all?
0: So, I, I like to think of these these events in two categories. One is is it something that is a current event in the world. And does it does it need to be addressed in a to where a sermon would change? So I have two categories to look at this. One is if it's something significant that happened, there are ways to address it. There are ways to give acknowledgement to it in the service without totally changing your sermon. So we would, you know, so uh, when some major event, or, uh, you know, like a hurricane came through and a, just obliterated an area of the, of the country, we would take time to acknowledge it. Uh, we we took time to even talk about people who knew who were affected. We would spend time and significant time praying for that particular situation. And I did so I didn't preach on a different sermon on it. Okay. But you can't address it that way. The second level in my mind is to where something so significant, I would say like a 9/11, to where you know everybody's reeling. You can't get away from it. And, and there's a sensitivity to what God may want to speak into into a situation where I think that's. That's where I would consider I'm open to changing my sermon. What I also found I heard about on 9-11 is guys that were preaching through books and in God's kind providence, the text that they were about to right. preach fit perfectly right. with what happened. So I, I think you. I've had that happen to me before where I would consider changing a sermon, but then I look at my text and think... This, this actually fits well for me to be able to speak to this. And that's another beautiful thing, I think, about expositional preaching through books. God seems to do that. Yeah, that's
1: very often. I think you're right, Brian. I, I think of the illustration or an example you find in Luke chapter 13 when Jesus addresses certain contemporary events where he says, uh, do you suppose that the, these Galileans were worse Uh, sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things. And what happened is there were present at that season, some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So they're asking hey, this is happening in the news What's your perspective? Is mm-hmm. there anything, does God have a word? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Are those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and were killed? This is Luke 13, I think I said. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? So that was a big event. Tower right. fell down, right. 18 people got, everybody knew what he was talking about, Yep. and Jesus addresses it and applies it to God's people. So I do think there are times when, it may not change my text, but it might change how I preach. That that's a good text.
0: point. Yeah, that's a real good point. What What about? So I think world events um, is one thing. What about when things happen within the congregation? So, what did you do, Jim, on the Sunday after the 13 year old boy who battled cancer for those years and um, and passed away, and every the whole church reeled from that? Did you preach the same text? Did you change? Why or why not?
1: I did change. Uh, I did preach, and you know, I did not know exactly what I would do. Uh, you know, when he had died, but I, in the Sunday school hour, the adult class, I, I went through Edward's message on heaven, a world of love, mm. and I. So I, I, addressed some matters relating to heaven, and then I preached a message of, of congregational comfort because this had been. I mean, we had prayed for this boy. He was 14 when he died. We had prayed for a year plus uh many many times and then we've had other situations like that someone in the church has died suddenly or or, uh, a tragedy has hit us and you think all right either it's going to affect how i preach that text or sometimes again it alters i had been planning on this yeah and i had to scrap it we had the the man who founded our church um, a couple of years ago, had a massive heart attack. And we were told as we were entering into Sunday school that the family was called in to say goodbye. You know, He had been an yeah. elder for 20 years in yep. the church, well-loved. And so I scrapped what I was going to do in Sunday school. We took that time to pray. We reminisced. We talked about what the Lord may be teaching us uh, through that, uh, et cetera. And then there are other times when you say, like I did that day, that because this man loves the Lord and he doesn't want the Lord's day to be about him, he right. would say, brother, just preach the text. Yep, uh, And you almost use that as a rallying cry that yep. you would just move on in light of the eternal. Yeah, So I just think we have to be prayerful and sensitive to that.
0: I had one situation about eight years ago where we had a beloved deacon in our church who was my age who was suddenly killed in a car crash on a Friday, left his wife and and his widow and had a one-year-old and a five-year-old. And our church was just reeling from that. And I realized as I was going into Sunday that... That I, I I just had to change something. Like to, to function like this didn't just shake the whole church. Right. Would have been, would have lacked pastoral integrity in right. a way. So I actually, it's one of the few times because of a church tragedy, I've actually changed. We virtually changed everything we did on Sunday. And that ended up being a good decision. It was a way to, it was a beginning stage to help people learn to grieve and grow. Brian, do you think the
1: particular makeup of your congregation might sometimes affect how you relate either to providential things happening in the congregation or to news events. And what I'm thinking about is this. Uh, For those of you who don't know and can't tell by our voices, Brian and I are both Caucasians. (laughs) And there are events that may affect uh, a minority of community.
0: Right, yeah.
1: And here we are, we're a majority Caucasian congregation. But you have minority people for whom maybe what happened in Ferguson... Yeah. or what happened in Charlottesville. And they're going to want to know, does my pastor know me and care about me, and will he at least to some degree address this? Or I know other men who have said, you know what, I'm just going to make much of Christ, and that ought to be sufficient, black or white. Yeah. What's sensitive, or how do you try to work that out
0: in your own that's a, life? That's a great question. It could only be a separate podcast, couldn't it? I mean, the I have found that, well, in regard to the race issue, as a white pastor, um, you know, I there was a, a great deal of racism in a, in the church where I pastored, where I was having to deal with some pretty hard, significant issues there. But as God began to change our church, <clears throat> I found that I that I still needed to put this issue in front of our church more than I was. So when like the Ferguson riots happened, you know, to our church is still predominantly white, although there's there is some some racial diversity now that's taking place in our church. I felt the need to put that forward, not because there would be a ton of uh you know a ton of African Americans in our church that would be affected by this in a way they want to know their pastor cares about these things. It was a but I brought it up as a way to teach our church we need to care about these kinds of things. When mm-hmm. I'm talking about an all-white church or yeah. mostly white church, so. There may be different motives in bringing it up, but I would say that you need to bring it up. All
1: white church, you would not deal with it, and it and it would not raise a question. But yeah, and it, but I'm saying but, you but it, but should, it, yeah, right, right. Even and if that's even, the case, it is, okay, right, I, I, that you should good. because
0: it's a teaching opportunity, right, to push yeah. them to go. Look, we should care about and this again, if you don't. it
1: may not be, you may not do a full message on the whole issue right. of what does the Bible say about ethnicity, right? Does it say anything at all about it, and right. and then how does the Bible address it? And of course, that's again another topic right now because there's a lot of debate right now about how there we is. should righteously think through and apply the the Bible's truth to this so, issue.
0: So, Jim, as we wrap up, we we Share what what do you do with those kinds of situations when events happen like that? What what do you lean toward as as a congregation that's somewhat diverse but predominantly white? Yeah, how, how do you do? How do you deal with those things?
1: It's walking a tightrope. Yeah, I think Brian, because again, on the one hand, you want to continue to go back that that when we come to church. In a sense, it's not about us, and it's not about our life, and it's not about our situation. It's about the glory of God and the exalting the person of Jesus. It's about the unchanging truth of the Word of God, and we ought to have the confidence that if we preach through God's Word, God will eventually address every topic He wants to address on His timetable. On the other hand, you pastor real people with real hearts and real emotions, and you can't be... Totally insensitive to that, and so yeah. as I say, it may not have, may not change my text, but it may change how I apply or how I illustrate or how I emphasize a certain part of that text. And the changing face of that congregation. If I were preaching in a congregation where thirty people had cancer, I'd preach on you know I would emphasize Philippians one absolutely all the part than I would if I were preaching to a congregation of millennials all in the, you know,
0: prime of health. That's why being a pastor and knowing your people is so important with your preaching. That's what we get to over and over again. So Jim has has summarized well what we're talking about here, and that's as you're trying to think through this as a pastor, be flexible with the calendar, be flexible with things that are going to happen to show you are pastorally sensitive to things happening that you need to address that you didn't know were going to be happening in the world and in your church. And at the same time, I know Jim and I want to emphasize to everybody listening to this, that the Word of God is what builds the church. Right. It's what brings life to the church. And it is a slippery slope to let every single thing change what you think you should do. And that that easily becomes every Sunday's a topical sermon about relevant issues. Right. And God's Word addresses them all. And we still want to encourage you to trudge through a book faithfully, exposit the text, but be flexible. So, Amen. Jim, will you, uh, will you pray for the yeah. pastors listening to this that in their situation, in their congregation that's different than ours, that they would um, have wisdom to know how to proceed. Yeah, we will do.
1: Our Father in heaven, thank you for a sufficient Bible uh, to lead us and guide us. Thank you, Father, for the examples we have of simply pressing on steadfastly and at other times uh, taking the opportunity to address the contemporary and apply eternal truths there. Help us, Father, to shepherd the flock that is among us and exercising that oversight peculiar uh, to the congregations that are entrusted to us. Father, we pray at the end of the day, knowing that we will not stand before men and their opinions, but before uh, our changeless God, uh, to be faithful to you and to the task you've called us to, we pray in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen.